Hello, church. My name is Grace, and we will now be reading today's passage in the scriptures from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Please follow along in your own Bible or the screen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become his children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, Who comes be after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For, the for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the reading of God's word. All right. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone, and uh, welcome to our service here at True North. If you're joining us online, we want to warmly greet you and uh, say Merry Christmas to you as well. And for those that have joined us in person, uh, I hope you find uh, our, our cozy environment and worship service uh, a blessing to you and uh, to everyone that is here. Well, um, I shared last week that uh, I, I got two uh, temporary crowns on my two front teeth and is causing like a slight lisp every once in a while. And uh, so I was like, oh, for this Christmas, all I want is my two front teeth. Yeah. Right? Okay. I was thinking about that for a while. Anyways, um, so one of the questions I have for you guys is what, what are some Christmas traditions that you guys have? You know, what are, if you look back, uh, you know, whether you, time that you were growing up or with your, with your family, what, what are some things that you guys did every Christmas? What, I mean, there are, there are certain traditions that different families have, right? There's different things that we look forward to. Uh, there's different things that we are expecting during this holiday season. And, uh, you know, as I was thinking about it, I, I realized, uh, you know, after, once I got married and once I had children, that uh, Christmas was never really celebrated in, in my family. It wasn't really a big deal. So uh, when my wife, she was like, let's get a, you know, our first year of marriage, she's like, oh, let's get a Christmas tree. I was like, what? That sounds like the dumbest idea ever. Like, you know, why spend money on a Christmas tree? And, but we, you know, we ended up getting a Christmas tree. It was like, like a real Christmas tree too. So, which was the worst idea ever because, you know, like all the leaves die and then it just gets all in your carpet and it just stays there for like years. Uh, but, you know, ever since then, now every year we get a Christmas tree. Uh, and, and just some of the traditions that me and my family, we do is just, you know, the day after Thanksgiving, you know, got to put up Christmas lights. 
and I did it to please my wife when she first wanted uh, Christmas lights. Um, but now, um, you know, my son really wants to help me, like, nail in the lights and stuff. So it's become like a little mini Christmas tradition uh, that me and my family do. And, you know, just, you know, they, they get ready for the Christmas tree and they put all the ornaments on there. And um, uh, it, it's just one of those things where I think when I think back um, and, you know, one of the traditions that I, I do want to start once my kids are maybe a year older is, you know, watch classic Christmas movies. You know, like Die Hard is the movie that I really want uh, my children to watch, you know. But my, my wife's like, oh, maybe not, not yet, but... Die Hard is the best Christmas movie ever, right? Um, so it, it's one of those things, you know, Die Hard, Home Alone, and, and Elf, top three, okay? Um, don't debate me, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Those are the top three Christmas movies. But I think when I think about Christmas traditions and I think about this the season of Christmas, a lot of times when we uh, really kind of reflect on it, we realize that the majority or the emphasis of Christmas has become more about family and like rest and relaxation more than anything else. Right? And when we think about, uh, you know, if you are a believer or if you're a Christian, uh, a disciple and follower of Jesus, when we think about what we look forward to during this season, um, it doesn't look that much different from what the rest of the world is looking forward to. Right? I mean, we're, we're, all, we're all looking forward to the same type of movies that we want to watch. We're all looking forward to eating good food. We're all looking forward to just the, uh, the ability to step back from our work and, and relax and maybe go on a trip, you know, whether it's going somewhere to the snow or going somewhere where there's no snow. And, and it's just a time to just relax with family and, and to connect and maybe share Christmas presents. And I think for a lot of, uh, for a lot of us, the main purpose for Christmas has, uh, we, we really lost the emphasis and the reason why we slow down to celebrate this time. You know, it's, it, and, and not to say that relaxing and having uh, time with our family and, and doing activities, not that that in itself is a bad thing. I mean, I think that's very needed as well. But without the main emphasis being on the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, then what we're really celebrating is no different from what the world is celebrating. And I, and I think when we think about just this message of Christmas, it's really this idea um, that is actually, like, it's like, extraordinary. The, the idea that uh, the Son of God would actually come in human form onto this earth uh, is, is, you know, just mind-boggling if you think about it. And the story is so incredible that the majority of all the movies and TV shows and, you know, like the really good ones that we watch uh, just kind of steal this motif, right? This idea of the prophecy of, of a coming Savior. And then they come and, and we don't recognize who that Savior is and, and until the end. And we're like, oh my goodness, you know, like Game of Thrones, a perfect example. That's just the gospel, you know, like, who, the, the, you know, the, the prophecy of Aegon, who is going to, you know, you know, kill all the White Walkers. Who is it? Oh, it's this bastard child, Jon Snow. Who would have thought? You know, like, it, it, that's just the story of Jesus, right? Because it's, that's how incredible this story is. And so today, when we celebrate Christmas together, I think it's really important, whether, you know, you're here in person or whether you're online, uh, whether you're at home with your family, I think it's very important for us to really un understand the, the wonder and and just the marvel of the fact that God sends his only son into this world to accomplish and secure for his people a, a salvation that could only come from him. So today we're going to take a look at the message of, uh, of Christmas and, and see that um, the message of Christmas is really about uh, uh, this, this idea of who Jesus is, that he has come into this world. So today we're going to look at the message of Christmas, then we're going to talk about the gift of Christmas, and lastly we're going to look at our response to Christmas. Okay. Um, so first of all, the message of Christmas. Uh, when we think about the message of Christmas told from the Bible compared to the message of Christmas told in our culture, um, I, I think there is a, a big difference. 
although it's kind of blended together, there really is a very big difference, right? Uh, first question is, you know, um, when we think about like the, the message of Christmas in our, in our world, in our culture, you know, I, I was wondering like, oh, when did it change? You know, like when did this idea of Christmas be, being purely just about ourselves and, 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 you know, our families and our relaxation, when did that occur? And, and I thought about it and I was like, okay, well, maybe that's not the right question because when that happened was, you know, way back in Genesis 3 when sin entered the world. That, you know, that's, that's really when it happened. Uh, but real, realistically, the question I think is more important is why? Why is there such a big difference between the message of Christmas from the Bible and the message of Christmas that is just, you know, taught throughout our culture. And I think the main reason why is because the message of Christmas taught in Scripture is, when you really look at it, is an offensive message. It's a message that is not easily digested. It is not something that we should, you know, everyone talks about Christmas and go, oh, wow, it's such a wonderful story. Not really if you really take a look at what's happening, okay? Uh, and, and I, you know, I think when we think about it, the question, you know, I want to kind of build this up is like, when, when was the last time someone offended you? Because I think we, we can be offended in a lot of ways, right? Um, I, I got COVID for the first time, I think about two, two and a half weeks ago. And, uh, you know, for a long time, I was very prideful. I was like, dude, I'm immune. Like, I am a special chosen one that, because, you know, my, my two older kids, they got it, and, like, I ate their leftover food, and I was like, dude, I'm impervious, and I didn't, I never got COVID. And then I finally got it. And then someone from church sent me this video of um, these, you know, this podcast, and then they're talking. They're like, did you know that um, the COVID rate among little people is very low? And they're like, why? And then he's like, it's because um, they're so short that when people talk, it just, the COVID germs just go over them. And I was like, I was like laughing, and then I was like, wait, wait a second, why did he send me this? <laughs> like, what, 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 wait, what is he, is he trying to say something about me? And I was like... He's, he's only like an inch taller than me too, so maybe, maybe we're, 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 you know, just, you know, commiserating together. But anyways, I mean, it, it's those things where sometimes when you speak truth, it can become very offensive, right? Um, growing up in, in an Asian household, um, this, during family get-togethers, it was just, uh, you know, if you're a you know, young child in middle school or high school, you go in knowing that you're going to get attacked, you know? And the culture is a little different, so every time I would meet my family, like, it, it wouldn't just be like, like, Oh, hey, how are you doing? They'd be like, oh my goodness. Why did you get so fat? You know, like, and they'd be like, oh, why do you have so many pimples? I mean, those are just things that, you know, family members would say. And, and it's true, but then it's like very offensive. It's very harsh, right? Because oftentimes, no matter if, even if you're trying to package it in a very sensitive way, when we speak truth to each other, oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes, it, it, it can be very hurtful. It can be very offensive. And the reason why I bring this up is because this idea, this story of Christmas, the fact that Jesus would have to come into this world and be born into this world is a message that is really telling us that without Jesus, that we are incapable of salvation. That without Jesus, that we are unable to actually save ourselves, that we're not good enough. And, and here in John, it, it, it speaks very clearly of this idea that Jesus is, is the light that has entered into the world, into a world of darkness, right? Uh, John chapter 1, verse 9 through 11 says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. I mean, it's just this message of like, hey, here is the Son of God coming into the world, and yet you did not receive him because why? You are living in darkness. 
because your, your, your hearts have been hardened and turned into hearts of stone, unable to recognize that the living Son of God has entered into the world to provide and bring salvation to, a, to an entire world that has fallen. And I think the reason why Jesus comes into this world is to be, a light to, uh, light of the, to be the light of the world, and, and that by him and through him, that we are able to clearly and truthfully see our complete need for a Savior and for, for a Lord that will save us from our sins. And I think when we think about this message, it's no wonder why the rest of the world doesn't really think and emphasize this point, but rather would think about the, the idea of just relaxation and spending time with family and, and you know, wearing our PJs and waking up and opening gifts and you know, drinking hot cocoa. I mean, I mean, those are all a lot more uh, heartwarming than this message of, hey, like, the reason why I had to enter into this world is because by yourselves, you cannot save yourself. Because, I mean, John chapter 1 is, is very clear that this world was a world of darkness. That the light entered to shine its light in darkness, and that darkness has not overcome it. I mean, at the time of Jesus' birth, um, the land of Judea was, was filled with a lot of violence, injustice, abuse of power, uh, oppression, and, and just a, a lot of suffering. And it, it doesn't really change how our world is today, right? And, and this is what Isaiah wrote in chapter 9, verse 2. It said, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has sh a light shone. Right? And, and it's this prophecy written in Isaiah is now fulfilled through Jesus Christ. The moment that he is born, the moment that he enters into this world, there is a great light that has come. It has dawned upon the world of darkness to show the way that salvation can only come through belief and faith in him. And I think if you really think about the message of Christmas, um, and we really think about what, what this, this time and, and this, this season is really speaking about, is this idea that we are all in need of a savior, that we are all in need of a great light to, to shine in, in our dark world. The reality is, is that when we really think about uh, how incapable we are, if we're honest with ourselves, um, left on our own, uh, we are blind. Left on our own, we are incapable uh, of reaching God. And so the only way that God can reach down to us was that he would send his own son into a world that is filled with darkness. So not only is the message of Christmas an offensive message, um, but the message of Christmas also has uh, the idea of gifts, right? Uh, and Christmas is a time for us uh, to really uh, to marvel at the, the wonderful gift, the ultimate gift that has been graciously given to us, right? And, um, you know, one of the questions that I might ask you is what is the best gift that you ever received during Christmas? I would just, you know, think through, think through the gifts that you received, you know. Um, I'm sure some of the young children here received a, a wonderful gift and they were playing with it. My son, um, someone, you know, uh, actually... Pastor Eugene's family gave Jacob um, those dino excavation things. So now our entire floor is just dust because <laughs> Jacob has just, he's just, been, he's just been going at it all day, you know, just like chiseling away. And then, uh, I mean, he, he loves that gift, right? Uh, uh, my my uh, mother-in-law got uh, our kids a uh, laser tag and we were just playing laser tag all night last night because they, I mean, they love it, you know? And hopefully those are memories that they have. Uh, when, I, when I thought about uh, the best gift I ever received during Christmas, I couldn't think of it. 
And, and I think it's because, number one, our family didn't really celebrate Christmas. And number two, I'm not really a big gift guy, you know. Uh, but I, I think, and the reason why um, the, I, the tradition of giving gifts came about is because the, the wise men, when they first uh, came to Jesus, they gave gifts, right? Um, and it's an opportunity for us to reflect upon the ultimate gift of, uh, of salvation that we receive through Jesus Christ. But nowadays, you know, um, the idea of giving gifts has become a lot more commercialized, right? It's become a little bit more inward focused. It's this idea that, you know, during this season that we are able to treat ourselves and treat our loved ones to the things that we really want or things that, um, you know, that they need. But now, you know, it's kind of like, it's almost a stressor, right? Like trying to figure out like who, all the gifts you got to buy, making sure that they're in stock, you know, and trying to make sure that you're not, you don't forget anybody. And it's become something where this idea of giving gifts is, uh, you know, become a burden upon us instead of allowing us to really reflect on, upon the ultimate gift that we have in Jesus Christ. And so I think the first, when we think about the, the gift that we receive through the gospel, is that we receive the gift of life, uh, the gift of life through Jesus. And I think when we look at uh, John chapter 1, um, the way that John writes this prologue if you are a person who is familiar with the Jewish Bible, or especially in this time, if you were a, a, a Jewish person, uh, it would be no doubt that the very first thing that would come to mind is Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, it begins in the beginning, right? And in John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. Uh, so what John is really trying to introduce here is this, this connection between the very beginning of mankind when, when God speaks into existence, uh, in, into a world that is formless and void, and he speaks life into that world and creates all things, now here in John chapter 1, we have the new creation, a, a new beginning, where now not only is, 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 is uh, God speaking things into existence, but the very word of God has entered into this world to provide life. Right? In, in a dark and formless world in Genesis, God speaks into existence all things. And in a dark world here in John chapter 1, God not only speaks into existence life, but he sends the very word that created all things. He sends his very son to be born into the world that he created. And, and, and the question that I have or, or the thought that I had was, well, why is this idea of light so important? Uh, why, why is Jesus called the, the light of the world? What, what, what is this idea of, of, of light in a, dark, in a dark, formless void? And the reason why I think that's very important is because in, uh, without light, there is no life. Right? You take away light, and there is absolutely no life. Um, Genesis chapter 1, it, it says when God created all things, the very first thing he creates is what? Light. Right? He didn't create the sun. The, sun. the sun and the moon was created on the fourth day. Um, but light entered in the very first day. So then the question that I have is, uh, what, how, where was that light coming from? That light was radiating from himself. It was the light of God that was the very uh, beginning and, and the very foundation of all life on earth. And so now in John chapter 1, what we have is the, a, a message of a, a new creation, that the light of Jesus has entered into the world to provide and gift us with life, life that could only come from him. The light that brings eternal life to all those who place their faith and trust in him. And just as in Genesis, uh, light was first brought to a formless and void world, now in John what we have is, is the light of the Son of God that brings eternal life into the darkness and void of our hearts. 
So not only do we receive the gift of life through Jesus, uh, but we also receive the gift of God's presence as the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I think this is a very important aspect, um, something that might seem uh, like a stale message for us, but when we really think about it, it it's, it's one of the most fascinating and, and extraordinary messages that we can ever really hear in, in, in all religion. You know, th- this idea that the Son of God would actually enter into the world um, should really boggle our minds. You know, this, this idea that, that Jesus did not sit loftily just up, up in heaven and just look down upon us, but that he would uh, take the, the time and the energy to really enter into our lives, enter into our context, enter into the, the world that we live in uh, to provide salvation. You know, this idea of, of uh, God's going into the world is something that is expressed in different religions all across the world, right? Uh, in, in Hinduism, uh, Vishnu, he, he entered into the world. You know, the Egyptian god Horus did that. Greek mythology, it happened all the time. But in, in every one of those cases, um, when gods would come down into the world, it was either to test humanity, uh, it was to test, you know, like the morality of humans, or it was really to, uh, for their own pleasure. You know, like Greek mythology, they always came down and they like found, you know, wives and stuff like that. It was, it was really just very uh, focused on themselves. Uh, but the, the difference between those other religions and those other stories and the uh, story of Jesus is that he did not come to test humanity. He, he already knew that we, had, we were fallen. He already knew that we were living in darkness. He did not come, definitely not for his own pleasure, because he came to, to suffer. He came, really, the, the idea that Jesus, the Word of God, became flesh and dwelt among us was really to provide us with his presence, really to provide us with this idea and the story that without him, that we would be lost, that we would be uh, lost in the void and darkness of our sins. But what Jesus does is he comes into this world and he dwells among us, and then John says that he dwelt among us and that we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only son uh, from the father, full of grace and truth. So his presence is, is, is here so that we can see his glory. And the question is, what does it mean for us to have seen his glory? Right, when we think about, I mean, you know, we use a lot of religious terms, right? And if you grew up in the church, you know, like glory, you know, glory, glory to the highest. And, and, but what, what does the word glory actually mean? What does it mean that we have seen his glory? Now, when we think about uh, the rest of the book of John, uh, John uh, uses this word glory not as, uh, this idea of, of, of prophets or disciples or us seeing like this mystical vision of Jesus. It's, it's not that we see uh, this, this radiance or like this, uh, this uh, you know, illumination or this shining light and we're like, oh, we see his glory. Uh, John always talks about the glorification of Jesus and he connects it with his death on the cross. So when we think about the glory of Jesus, uh, especially here on earth, what the biblical writers and what the authors are talking about is the, the life, the suffering, the death, and the resurrection that Jesus, our Messiah, struggled with and that he suffered through. So when it says that he became flesh and dwelt among us and that we have seen his glory, what John is implying and what John is really th- uh, talking about is the suffering that Jesus would experience here on this earth. Right, so John chapter 12, verse 23 and 24, he writes this, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So 
he's talking about, I'm going to be glorified. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it, uh, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. So even in Jesus' own words, when he's talking about what it, his time to be glorified, what he's referring to and what he's alluding to is the death that he is going to die upon the cross. So let's think about this. Not only does Jesus come into this world and dwells among us, you know, he takes on uh, the form of humanity, even though he is the ruler and cosmic being of the entire universe. Even though he has created everything here upon this earth, yet he enters into it, becomes like us, and to do what? To die, to suffer. Now, when you think about uh, glory, oftentimes we, we, we think about success. We think about, uh, uh, you know, a display of power, right? Uh, we, we think about, uh, you know, winning, winning a ch sporting championship or, or, or succeeding in life or, or doing something amazing or, or having, you know, just uh, uh, the entire world or the entire nation, you know, celebrate you. And you would imagine that a God, when he would enter into a world, and if he's seeking glory, that he would enter in such a way that all humanity would, would only recognize him as God, would only see just the, the magnificence and the power and the authority uh, uh, that, that he has. And Jesus had every opportunity and every right to be able to enter into this world in that way. He didn't have to come in the form of a, a small child, right? Because what is more powerless than a baby? Babies can't do anything for themselves, right? Uh, uh, you know, just like the, the thing that would make a little bit more logical sense if we said the word of God became flesh and, and, and he dwelt among us, like, you know, he would just be like super good looking and buff and then he would just like, you know, come down from the sky all shining and glowing, be like, ah, oh, I am Jesus, I am here. You know, and everyone's like, whoa, that's crazy. You know, I mean, that would seem glorious. But the biblical message of, of this idea of glory of Jesus is that he came to die that he became flesh and he dwelt among us so that he, could, so that he would die on the cross. And when it says that he, we have seen his glory, the word seen is, is better translated behold, right? Behold is, is not a word that we often use um, you know, in our everyday language, but the difference between seeing something and beholding something is, is very, very distinct. Uh, seeing something means that your eyes have perceived and recognized the object or event that is happening. Uh, seeing involves the physical act of looking at something and being able to identify it based on its visual characteristics. But beholding refers to the act of looking at something with deep appreciation and wonder. Uh, so when we, when we behold something, we are not just seeing it, uh, but it's also considering the beauty and the significance of what we are actually beholding. Beholding something involves a deeper level of appreciation and contemplation than just seeing. So this word that has become flesh, that has dwelt among us, John writes that we have beheld his glory. That we behold his glory because what we understand is that the very death, the very suffering that Jesus went through, we now completely appreciate and understand the beauty and significance of what that meant. That we understand that he came not just to, you know, to live among us just for the sake of living among us, but the reason why he came to live among us is so that not only can we fully empathize 
not only can he fully empathize with our struggles, our sufferings, but that he can also provide us with the only way to salvation. And this is really the gift uh, of Christmas, right? It's not just a time for us to take time off of work and relax and do nothing. Um, it's not just for us to reflect upon our own families and spend time with them. It's, it's this idea that we have a God who is not distant. We have a God who does not sit far away and look down upon us. But we have a God who entered into this world and he suffered and struggled through every type of suffering that this world had to offer. That he was beaten, that he was mocked, that he was ridiculed, that he was rejected, right? He, I mean, he, even his birth was, was in question. The legitimacy of his birth was being questioned by everyone around him. They all assumed that his mom was unfaithful, that his mom was, you know, a, a little bit, you know, promiscuous, right? And this idea that Jesus was born, they ne and, and throughout the scriptures, they never referred to Jesus as the son of Joseph because they always call him the son of Mary because they're, all of them, they're like, we don't know who your dad is, you know, because... Who knows? You know, I mean, just when we think about this, this, this type of uh, humility in which Christ enters into the world, you have to ask yourself, why? Why would he enter into the world with such questionable, you know, background, with, 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 with very little political power, with, with no money, no, you know, uh, no, no authority? Why would he come in this way? And it's so that when we go through life, so that when we struggle, when we suffer, when we are down, when we have people who are uh, rejecting us, or when we feel that you know, that life is, is so difficult, when, when the issues with how we raise our children become so much of a burden for us, we can look upon Jesus and say, Jesus, I know you empathize with everything that I'm going through. Because he's not a God who dwelt in the heavens. He dwelt among us. And he can look at every single one of us and all of our struggles and all of our pains and all of our trauma, and he can tell you, I know what that's like. I've suffered and I've experienced every darkness that this world has to offer. I have experienced and I have suffered through every pain that you can imagine here on this earth. So everything that we are going through is not unique to us. Everything that we suffer through, everything that we struggle with, everything that, that hinders us in our life is something that, we can, that our creator and God can relate to us with. So when it says that he dwelt among us, it's not that he was just here in this, in, on this earth for a period of time. It means that he's live the life that we, that we go through. That he suffered and that he can empathize with all of us. So I know for many of us, um, Christmas can be a difficult time, right? Um, not, not everyone has, uh, you know, great and fond memories of Christmas. Uh, it can also be a time when we, we think about our losses. It can be a time when we think about our struggles. Uh, it could be a time when, when we're thinking about just all the difficulties that life has for us, right? Whether it's family issues, whether it's career issues, uh, whether it's just, you know, our own internal issues. And I think the greatest gift that we have, um, and one of the greatest gifts that we have is that we have a God who understands it, who's, who's gone through it, who can, 
who can lead us through uh, just the, the healing process of what life provides for us. Because Jesus can walk with us in this life uh, because it is the message of Christmas that the ultimate suffering, you know, the, the ultimate suffering that this life has to offer is something that we don't have to face when we place our faith in Jesus. We may go through the temporary sufferings, but the ultimate suffering is something that Jesus took in our place, that he entered into this world with a purpose, not just to announce his deity, but he entered into this world with a purpose to say that I will defeat death. I will defeat death so all those who place their faith in me will be called my children and will not have to suffer the ultimate death because of sin. I think that is a gift that is the most uh, amazing thing that we can think of. And lastly, uh, then what is our response to Christmas? Now, in between, um, in, in John chapter 1, in between the announcement of, of the light coming into the world and, and the word becoming flesh, uh, it, it's is like this weird like, uh, announcement about John the Baptist being the witness of Jesus' glory, right? I mean, it, it's weird because like in the beginning was the word, and then it's like, and there was a man sent from God, you know, and his name was John. He, he, and, and when we think about it, it it's this, this idea that in between this announcement of who Jesus is, is the story of a, of a chosen prophet who understood his role, that he was, not of the, he was not the light, he was not the light coming into the world, but he would be the one who would witness to the fact that Jesus was coming. Right? And it's very interesting because he says that um, uh, this was he whom I said, he comes after me, ranks before me, because he was before me. Right? And it's very interesting because John is actually older than Jesus. Right? He's, he's Jesus' older cousin. But he understood that the one who is coming after me is ranks before me because he was before me. He understood that Jesus was always the eternal one, that he was in existence even before he entered into this world. He understood the, the special characteristic that this Jesus was not just a human being, was not just a good teacher, was not just a, uh, a good rabbi, but that he was the eternal word of God who is now entering into this world to provide this world with the ultimate gift of salvation. So, G so John's you know, ministry was really about witnessing to this fact. Uh, he spent his time uh, you know, preaching and, and, and teaching that there's going to be a man that comes after me whose sandals I am unworthy to tie. And with this response, I think it really teaches us that our ultimate response to the message of Christmas is that we are also called to be witnesses of a cosmic event that cannot be explained by mere uh, you know, science or, or, or culture or anything like that. Uh, what John was looking forward to, we have the ability to see in hindsight. What John was looking forward to is something that he was witnessing to, that, hey, the one who comes after me is greater than me. But unfortunately for John, he never got to witness the full glory of Jesus because he was beheaded even before Jesus was crucified and resurrected. John was witnessing to a future event that he himself would never perceive with his own eyes, and yet he spent his entire adult life out in the wilderness eating locusts and honey, witnessing about the reality of who Jesus is. We have the ability to live in comfort, like, we have clothes. We don't have to wear, like, you know, furry clothes 
we have good food. We can DoorDash stuff. We can eat good food from Costco. We don't have to worry about surviving off locusts and like bugs and honey. You know, I mean that's that's incredible, right? And and, and yet, and not only that, we have the ability to see and behold the glory of Jesus and what He has accomplished. And yet, we are not even half the witnesses that John the Baptist was. Our response to Christmas is not merely just a reflection about the gift that we have received through Jesus. Our response to Christmas is this idea that if we truly believe in the glory of Jesus Christ, that our role and our calling is that we are called to be witnesses to those who have not yet fully seen and beheld the glory of who Jesus is. Our role is not just to... to, to hunker down and, and, you know, hang out with our families and, and you know, drink hot cocoa while wearing pajamas, watching Home Alone. It, it's, it's this idea that we have to identify and think about who are the people in our lives that need to see and behold the glory of who Jesus is. And I think more and more uh, throughout this year, we're going to be talking uh, a lot more about um, this idea of being a witness and pointing people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think for us, coming out of the pandemic and coming out of COVID, uh, we, we really have to retrain ourselves to think not just about ourselves, but the, the needs of those around us. And I hope and my prayer is that this is our, our last service of 2022, that going into 2023, that our calling to be witnesses to the glory of who Jesus is will be one of our main priorities in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, number one, we, we thank you so much um, that the glory of Jesus is something that we've beheld, that we have witnessed, and that we have experienced uh, just by faith. And, and God, I, I know, Lord, that um, for many of us, Christmas is, is a, 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 hard, a difficult time. For many of us, Christmas is a wonderful time. But for both of those groups, I pray, Lord, that it would be an opportunity for us to really think and reflect upon the gift of salvation that we receive. Um, that the light has entered into a world of darkness to provide us with life, life that can only come from you. So God, uh, as we continue uh, to live our lives here on this earth, uh, may we live our lives uh, as witnesses to this glory that more and more people need to hear and see the goodness of our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.